For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. going on Blue Jays fans and welcome to another edition of Jay Bird Watching. I am Adam Corsair and I am in the driver's seat this evening along with my uh, fellow passengers Mr. Craig Borden and Mr. Brendan Penicar. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? What's up guys? Wonderful. We have all Blue Jay or all Buffalo wins yesterday. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <And> <laughs> technically, <laughs> yeah, technically if you want to uh, exclude TFC, uh, Brennan, I don't know if you're a TFC fan, but if you want to exclude TFC, the Blue Jays are the talk of the town in Toronto right now in terms of sports. Oh, absolutely. There's right? no way around it. Right? Perfect. I mean, unfortunately, my Raptors get eliminated. Leafs, and eh, whatever. I don't watch hockey. So, <laughs> you know, Blue Jays are the, the talk of the town. So, look, I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to waste any any time here because there's a whole lot to talk about. So let's just dive right in. Look, we're recording this Monday evening for those listening on the podcast feed. Um, it's an off day for the Toronto Blue Jays, a much needed one because from tomorrow being Wednesday all the way to next Sunday, it's nonstop Blue Jays action with one doubleheader in between. Um, and first up is yet another series against the New York Yankees, this time in Yankee Stadium for three games. Uh, that being said, the Jays are pretty much sitting pretty with a record of 26 and 20. Uh, they are six games above 500. Uh, they are closer to first in the AL East than they are from getting eliminated from the playoffs. So, hey, if I were to tell you guys that in September, <laughs> you know, pre-pandemic, uh, I think we'd be uh, pretty much riding high. But they're currently nesting second in the AL East, a mere half a game above the aforementioned Yankees. Fifth in the playoff bracket. That's a whole lot to unpack, so let's just get into it. I want to start off with the injuries. All right, so since we last spoke, the Jays have lost two very important hitters in the uh, form of Teoscar Hernandez and Rowdy Telez. Teoscar is out with an oblique injury he suffered in the series against Boston, whereas Telez is out with an apparent knee injury that he suffered again in the series against the Yankees. Um, it sounds like Teoscar's absence will be relatively short. There's a chance that he comes back before the end of the season. Yet Rowdy may miss the remainder of the season, if not just this year in baseball in general. Uh, these are significant blows, to say the least. But, Brendan, let's start with you. Is there any way for the Jays to still make the postseason without them? And assume, assume the worst-case scenario that they're both done for the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned it, Adam. They are sitting very pretty right now, being six games above 500, uh, closer to first place than they are for missing the playoffs. You know, the Orioles are starting to fade. The Tigers are fading. Um, 
The Royals have never even been in it. The Mariners have come on really hot lately and are 21 and 25 with that infusion of youth. But, like, I just can't see at this point, barring a completely epic collapse, and keep in mind, you have three with the Yankees this week, four with the Yankees next week. But in between there, you have winnable series with the Phillies and with the Orioles the week after to close the season. So 500 ball, even if it's a game or two below 500, I just can't see a way that they miss at this point. It really is going to be a battle the rest of the last two weeks for positioning. And it seems like they'll either be locked into five. So it's one or the other. It will be interesting to see. But yeah, they could definitely make it without uh, both of them. Um, Obliques are tough. So it'll be curious to see how Tioscar is when he comes back. Losing Rowdy sucks as well. But I do believe, and we will talk about this not to bury it, but... Um, Bobachet coming back is obviously a huge, huge addition. So uh, I think they'll be fine. What about you, Craig? So right now, at least when you're, lo- I'm looking at both injuries. Roddy Telez was a force, and he was in an upswing. So this is a little bit of a derail for what we were starting to solidify as a DH spot. Right now, I think with an oblique injury to Teoscar Hernandez, that's his spot for the rest of the damn season. Mm. Right now, he has been taking as of yesterday. He took cuts in the batting cage for batting practice. So it, I don't think he'd be taking batting practice unless he was telling the trainers that, hey, look, I'm feeling a little bit better than I expected. You know, he said before that he hadn't even been barely taking swings off of the tee. So to be taking even BP, things might be trending up a little bit. I'm still not expecting him anytime soon because they would rather have him coming back full strength. But the fact that, okay, there's only really, guys, two weeks of baseball left. Two weeks. It's crazy. So they want to make sure that they have not only him back, but they want to have him right for when he does come back. So it would not shock me that if he is in that DH spot the last week of the season and just trying to get some at-bats, and even if there's a couple at the beginning of the game or pinch hit appearances at the end of a game, whichever it might be, I really think that they're going to want to get Teoscar Hernandez back in the bolt, back in the mix, even if it is just to get his bat right. Because, guys, I could care less right now if he is playing in the outfield, if Jonathan Davis keeps doing what he's doing in left and right field, and with Loris Gurriel Jr. doing what he's been doing in left field, which has been, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, I, the one he missed yesterday, did you guys see that one where he dove? Yes. Kinda, like, into the, okay. Well, Brendan didn't. But he basically dove for this one that was would have been the regular seats at Salem Field, but they got the netting all the way up yes. down there now. And he almost comes out of the netting with the ball in his hand. Oh, wow. It was insane. <laughs> so I've never seen anything like that, um, especially at that ballpark. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he gets back. I really would be shocked from what I've been seeing with Roddy Telez if he ends up coming back. I would love to see it, but I'd be shocked. Yeah, he was walking uh, around Salem Field after the Yankees game in crutches. Um, did not look good. Uh, if I were to put my money on one of them coming back, obviously, as I think we all agree, Tay Oscar would be the guy. Um, it's really unfortunate for Rowdy because, Brent, um, yeah, Craig, you nailed it. He was on an upswing. And it's funny, if you dig back in the archives of Jay Bird watching to the preseason when we were talking about trade candidates and early you know, speculation, we were talking about these two players. Right. At least I was. I was talking about which one has the higher ceiling, which one would probably be dealt, which one can the Blue Jays do without because of a logjam in, in the position. And Rowdy Tellez, to his credit, certainly proved his worth 
for this team, despite the logjam at first base and the complete clusterfuck that is the designated hitter position that Montoya likes to, you know, fiddle with. But are you panicking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, might as well so. put him in the in the seventh in the order. But still, it, it's unfortunate. I do think that the Blue Jays can maintain a playoff position without them. My fear is that right now, like I said, they're sitting fifth in the playoff race. My fear is because of these losses and the power hitting side, I don't want them to fall to seventh or eighth. I'd like to see them continue to climb because as we know in the wild card race, which is what they'd be doing, um, right? Would they be in the wild card position? Yes. Yeah. Yes. If they're in the wild card position, they're going to be able to play at home as long as they finish with the home field advantage. Um, for the first round, and then they go to the bubbles. But if that's the case, uh, I don't want to see them on the road without these power hitters. Oh, I, I want to use yeah. I want to use Salem Field to our advantage. So I, I just hope that they can maintain this position. That's all. Not to mention, it is nice to see the Yankees roasting in that you know eighth spot and barely tipping in. Yeah. If they didn't go what they did against the Orioles in the last series, they are in trouble. Yeah. And when they played us guys, they did not look like the Yankees. There was nothing in that lineup that made me go, wow, we're going to be in trouble, <laughs> especially that pitching staff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. I heard a rumor the other day that they asked CC Sabathia to come back. No, <laughs> not even kidding. Can they sign people? Is that I think allowed? It's allowed technically. I don't, I, I'm not sure sign them to the roster would be the catch. Huh? There's no, you can't bring them to the 60 man. I don't think you'd had to activate them full out right to the 40 man roster. So if you're looking for Colby Rasmus to come in and save our outfield, you could still technically yeah. do it. <laughs> I'm looking for Jose. Yeah. There you go. Can we got Bautista to come pitch out of the bullpen. <laughs> I was shocked that nobody called him at the trade deadline. Shocked. Yeah. Just to, know, just to ask a bat, you know, how many people have been whining about how there's not enough power in their lineups and whatnot this year. Yeah. That is a guy that's still going to come off the bench and show you that he could, you know, uncork a few or, you know, bat flip a few yeah. <laughs> yeah so but yeah i just can't believe that where we're at right now and they need to win second i really really firmly yeah. believe they have to get second otherwise it's going to be a just long insane truck for them well yeah. it's good buddy good i cut you off oh no 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 uh, all good uh all i was gonna add was yeah i agree if, if they can finish fifth even sixth uh it makes their life much much easier because right now you know, they'd be playing Minnesota, and Minnesota's a pretty damn good team. They'd be playing Josh Donaldson. But I really do think that they could potentially beat the Twins in a three-game series, especially with our number one and number two starters going in game one and two. Uh, and even if it's a bullpen uh, game on game three, I really think the Blue Jays have the advantage when you get into the weeds of the bullpen. Uh, offensively, yes, the loss of Rowdy and Teoscar really, really hurts, especially going up against a high-powered Twins offense. But pitching for pitching... I would give the Blue Jays the advantage. So if they can finish in fifth and play Minnesota, or who, who knows, it still could be the White Sox, whoever it is, they have a chance to win that series, and I fully agree. I fully think that they can. It's amazing how far the White Sox have come, right? They're so far right now number one in the in the playoff race. They're in the first seed. And I, I know the White Sox, we, we like to compare them to the Blue Jays. I, at least I did. I always thought that they were very similar in terms of the, their trajectory. I think the White Sox are sort of riding high right now. Um, so props to them. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know that this loss is enough to really get them out of it. I, I guess what I want to do is sort of walk Blue Jays fans off the ledge because, you know, when you, when you see Teoscar and Rowdy down, 
for injuries. And when you see Rowdy and crutches, you're thinking, okay, like this could seriously derail our playoff hopes. I'm not necessarily there yet. I think, I think the pitching, you know, for as weird as it's been, and we'll get to it, but specifically Ryu yesterday looked awesome. The movement on his pitches yesterday looked great. And uh, I, I think that when you have a guy like that anchoring game one of any playoff series, what, regardless of what it is, uh, you got to like your chances with or without the two power hitters. Um, but, uh, Craig, I agree. I think that the chances of Teoscar coming back towards the end, even if it's in limited capacity, uh, like a pinch hit there or just you know filling in uh, you know roster substitution and whatnot, um, you could do worse. And just to get some reps in, just to just to be able to to utilize them as much as possible would be great. But um, Brendan, you touched on it already, so let's let's move on. Look, uh, we talked about the injuries. Let's talk about the flip side: people coming back from injuries. Uh, Bobuchet and Ken Giles coming back from the IL. Uh, prior to his injury, Bo Bichette was on fire. He had a slash of 361, 391, and 672. Uh, with only two games in, this is a much-needed boost to the lineup, um, especially on the offensive side. Giles only pitched one inning in that blowout loss that you know shall not be talked about other than that. <laughs> um, but he looked okay, and you know you have to give... You have to give the notion that this is going to give the team a little bit of confidence, both internally and externally with his fans down the stretch. What do you say, Craig? So I don't know how you're, you're we're getting a guy back that is basically the poster child of this uh, organization at this point. Is anybody really going to object with me about that? No. No. no, especially when I was reading this morning that the biggest standout in my Major League Baseball, as far as the top surprises in baseball are concerned this year for the Blue Jays is Teoscar Hernandez. Mm. So they were not shocked about Boba Shett being that good as he was before he got injured. And the fact that it, it, it's you, you just added an MVP caliber player down the stretch here and watching him run around the field and everything the last couple of days, he is healthy. It doesn't look like he has skipped a beat. He is His timing is slightly off. The leg kick part of his swing... I think is going to be coming through very, very shortly, but I can see on the two strike approach, he's still like dead nuts right on it. So it's a matter of, of time before that last little pit comes through. And then we're going to see the Boba shot. I think that we saw for that a little bit there. Ken Giles. I'm still waiting to see a little bit more, <laughs> but guys, at least we got somebody that is meant to be in our bullpen back. And we get, don't, don't have to maybe entertain the idea of having somebody like Wilmer Font that has been having some troublesome innings up and down very much so back in this bullpen to uh, do that. So regardless of his health, honestly, with what's been going on perfectly at the end of the, the rotation there for the bullpen, I would just let it go and let Giles get right. And then we can worry about putting him back into the high leverage situations on where we know he can be and ready for the playoffs. Because Delise and Bass have been looking lights out. And guys, have you heard anything about Romano being close? Because he's been sitting on the bench awfully a lot. I have um, not. He's been sitting there hanging out with Ryan Barucki's dog in the uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the cutout area. But <laughs> I just figure he wouldn't be hanging out with the ball ball club as much during the ball bullpen time if he was uh, not at least getting some reps in. But I yeah. haven't heard much either. No, I haven't either. It, they've been awfully quiet on Jordan Romano's injury, and maybe they're doing that on purpose, but. No, when Bo got injured, he was, according to Fangraphs, almost worth a full win uh, in just the time that would be 14 games. He's played two since he's came back. So just the trajectory that Bo Bichette was on before he got injured was to be one of the best players in the entire game if he was healthy. 
and all 60, assuming that obviously the pace he was on was crazy. But even if you maintain that, still a pretty incredible pace that Bobachet was on. But I agree, Craig, 100% with what you said about Ken Giles. There's no reason to rush him back into high leverage, especially with how many good high leverage arms this team has. And that's a testament to everybody down there without Jordan Romano. Rafael Dolis, I'm not sure if there's a guy who's had much more of a turnaround. Maybe Sean Yamaguchi's has been better, just in terms of the perception with the fan base. But Dolis on opening night when we did our live stream, I wouldn't say I was worried, but he did not look good. And there were a lot of people willing to dump Rafael Dolis after one inning. And I'm sure as hell glad that they did not do that. I'm glad that Blue Jays Twitter is not in control of the roster personnel decisions here. though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny you make that joke because like we got a fan submission actually here. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> so, which is playing yeah. off of that perfectly. Yeah. So yeah. sister with a long time listener, uh, sister with a bolter, asked which Blue Jay DFA demotion release or whatever was the most satisfying this season for us. <laughs> the person who got DFA to release that was the most satisfying. Yeah. Who are you most happy to see go finally once we finally did cut somebody? McKinney. Hmm. That was fun to go finally yeah. see McKinney leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, McKinney is, uh, or, uh, I mean, uh, what's his face? I already forget his name. We, we, we traded for, we traded sure. for him and then we deleted oh, him, released him Vogel. right away. Vogelbach? Oh, yeah, Vogelbach. Like, oh, Vogelbach. The fuck was the point? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Hi. Hi. And it seems like the Brewers just constantly takes our, take our scraps, I right? Know. Because McKinney just got picked up by the Brewers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then there's that. Vocalized. And the fact that they didn't even keep Justin Smoke for the whole damn season. That one I don't understand. Yeah, who picked him up? Was it Anaheim that picked him up? Giants. Giants, yeah. At least he's playing. It's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll play himself into another contract, I think. I he's think still so. too talented of a hit first baseman to be uh, overlooked too much. And you know the power's there. But, um, yeah, I'm going to say Wilbur Font's inevitable <laughs> for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how they hold on to him with the way this bullpen is forming up now with Giles and everything back. So as soon as he comes back healthy, I really would be shocked to see him on this lineup. But. Well, uh, you know, I, I have to say about Dolis, um, I think it was Saturday night that he looked extremely uncomfortable. There was something up. We got the win, um, but he was he closed out the game and his location was a little bit off. And even he seemed to be rumbled. So this, uh, you know, addition of Ken Giles comes at a good time, but Craig, I agree with you. Um, let's ease him in because you don't want to blow out that arm right away. Right. You don't want, you want to keep that arm fresh for high leverage, uh, high leverage situations down the stretch and into the playoffs. So, um, let's hope that maintains. Um, but still, uh, Dolis did b- bounce back pretty well on Sunday. I believe he closed that out too. And he looked pretty good. Um, but first two going, strikes really quick. First two oh, outs. Yeah. It took him a little while to get the last few outs. I have to make this comp. Yeah. How much does he remind you of Jason Frazier and how he just, oh, let me throw these first two outs. And then all of a sudden, just like that last third one has, takes three batters. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little messy. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. He's a little taller, I think. His stature. Oh, I get that. I'm saying as far as the performance through yeah. the final yeah. inning. In the closer role, <laughs> he yeah. looks a lot like the suspense I used to deal with all the time with Jason Frazier. <laughs> yeah, Stature looks like uh, Rouch, if I remember that correctly. I remember Rouch was super tall. Tall and intimidating. Yeah, yeah, from the mound. I love how he but, goes um, over the top of the pitch, too. Yeah. He almost looks like he's doing a hammer throw. <laughs> the <section of> the <laughs> hand. 
Um, but Craig, you did touch on it, and I know this wasn't necessarily in the notes, but it does raise the question. You said Bo is the poster child for this team, and I agree with you. He is the anchor of this team. I, we've said it from the jump. This team is built around Bo, right? And even though he was out for a, you know a significant stretch in terms of the length of the season in general, you know, relative to that, um, he is the the player that you build around for this team. And we always thought it was going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, it's just not there for him this year as advertised, right? And there was this uh, back and forth with Wilner and uh, a bunch of callers and people regarding Vladimir Guerrero Jr., not necessarily being a bust, but being uh, disappointed with his performance this year. And I kind of tend to think there's something to that. Maybe not, you know, knock him down completely, but there is something to be said. It was like, look, this guy was super hyped coming in. People were comparing him to Mike Trout coming into the game, right? And people were also, this dude had an MLB network special hours before his debut coming in. Right. Hey, and so we were at that debut. It was fun. All right. I'm saying I'm not I'm not taking anything away from his abilities, but to think that fans shouldn't have an expectation. I think that's burying your head in the sand. I, I do think there is an expectation for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to be a superstar. And again, it's still early. It's he, he will say he's been here for a year and a half, right? A season and a half because this year, not a full season. I don't know. Are you guys concerned? Brendan, we'll start with you. Are you concerned with how he's been performing? Or do you think, no, I just give him time. This is a slow burn. He'll be something special. I still do think he'll be something special, but I'll be completely honest. And I know that it's not fair to weight shame anybody. And it's not the intent, but um, somebody went back and compared swings from when Vlad was playing in that Montreal game when he had the walk-off home run yeah. versus his swing this season. And when he was slimmer... And younger, you can clearly see his back leg was driving his swing so much more than it does now. He was going further down in his swing. His leg was really powering him. And that's where a lot of his power came from. And more weight added, and it's not the same. And you can see it's much more up, like the upper portion of his body that's driving his swing. And that's probably why there's more ground balls and not as many balls that are actually being elevated is because he's not using his lower half. So, and again, I'm not trying to weight shame anybody like, but it does raise some concerns for sure moving forward that he does need to make sure that he gets into camp next year and stays in good shape because he, all reports were in spring training 1.0 that he was looking slimmer and it was noticeable in some of his pictures. But when he came back from the lockdown, much like a lot of people, in yes, mind, yeah. they, they put on some weight. And he, I will say he has looked like he's lost a bit of weight as the season gone along, but it's not enough and it is affecting his swing mechanics according to that video i can't remember who posted it but it's pretty evident so look i'll be honest i thought that by year two he'd be much more closer to what uh tatis jr is doing right now offensively definitely not defensively Tatis jr and vlad were compared as the two guys coming up being the next faces of baseball in either league uh tatis jr has reached that he is the talk of the shortened 60 game season vlad's not on anybody's radars right now and if they do want to go far in advance Vlad does need to get hot and, and play well. Just go on one hot streak, save for the playoffs, and let's go into the offseason. Get yourself right, conditional-wise, and come back and break out in a third year. I'm still holding out hope for that, and I do believe it's there. Okay, Craig. So, I'm not worried. I'm okay. not, even, not even a remote little bit at all. 
<laughs> like, and here's the person that's also been hearing all this bullshit from the Mets announcers last week and the Yankees announcers that literally because Vladimir Guerrero has been garbage is the reason they moved him to first base. Yeah, that's, that's not true. All I've been hearing, not true. All I've been hearing not which true. is not even part of the conversation. And I just can't believe that. Not only I understand Michael K being an idiot. I was shocked <laughs> that uh, Keith Hernandez and the uh, Mets were being so detrimental to him. They know what he's going to bring to this team, and I just can't believe it. And I'm going to put this out there. You made the Fernando Tatis comment. Fernando Tatis is the god of baseball right now, right? Yes. And yeah, there's really no other way of saying it, that he's going to run away with the National League MVP is what it really looks like. Yeah. So in the minor leagues, it was Acunis and then Vlad, and it was in that order. Right now, we've already seen Acuna's coming out party. We're witnessing right now the, the Tatis party. Vlad's is next year. He's got 25 RBIs right now. No, sorry. Yeah, 23. I was too off. <laughs> Close enough. Round up. For a guy that's been fifth in our lineup, sixth in our lineup right now, I don't need him to be the all-star. We need to get to the playoffs. Vlad is still doing and pulling his weight. He's literally not any better or worse than our replacement player right now on our lineup. And that is literally built on his offense. Because we know he's not adding a ton with the glove at first base when he's playing, guys. As right. much as I would love to see something out of that, that war of him being dead even is built on his bat, regardless. So once he starts elevating the ball, like uh, Brendan had mentioned, it's just going to be lights out. It's just a matter of time. This guy is still making 100-mile-per-hour contact with freaking ground balls that are killing ants and shit. <laughs> so as soon as he gets the ball, like, you know, even a few degrees higher than that, I think we're going to be all set. I just really think it's too early for anybody to be saying anything bad about Vlad, period. Yeah, I mean, I look, I, I, I'm not necessarily worried because unlike – say football or basketball the burn is pretty slow in terms of development when it comes to to vlad but it, if i play devil's advocate for a bit he has been crushing minor league talent for every level that he's been in it's almost effortless with him right and now that he's made it to the show it seems like the sort the train sort of stopped and that could be due to the competition on the other end obviously where they're he's playing the best players in the entire planet Right. There's obviously going to be some sort of halt. But at the same time, maybe people that have been, you know, watching the game and watching prospects come and go and we're all about the prospect porn and when it doesn't work out, we're all disappointed. But you know, when when you have a guy hyped up that much, I think it's fair for fans to have some level of expectation. I think it's fair for for fans to say, you know, you sold us that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be this five-tool player coming out. He's not a five-tool player, but a five-tool player coming out from the jump, and I'm not seeing it. You know, although we can say it's a slow burn, at the same time, look, Sportsnet, you kind of hyped them up a lot. Like, you kind of made him sound like he was going to be the next Babe Ruth of the Blue Jays, and that's not the case necessarily right now. And that's okay, because we have other players to sort of pick up the load, but I do agree with you, Brendan, and I don't necessarily think it's weight-shaming to say, look, if your conditioning was just a little better, you you would obviously perform better. Because when you look at the, outside of pitching, and maybe outside of catching, we'll get to Kirk in a second. But outside of those two <laughs> positions, um, you kind of got to be in tip top shape in order to perform at a high level. And that's just be indicative of being an athlete. That's not to say anything about his human being. That's not to say anything about his value as, a, as an individual. Of course, that's you know not even factored in. 
But as an athlete, you sort of have a responsibility to maintain a certain level of athleticism and, and shape and, you know, uh, physical stamina. So I don't necessarily think that it's unfair of fans to have a certain level of expectations when it comes to Vladdy. So much so that I was having a conversation uh, through DMs with my buddy Matt about this. And he was saying, you know, what do you think about Vlad? I said, I don't necessarily think he's going to be as good as advertised, but I think his ceiling is, I think that's bad. But I, I, I think his ceiling, because I, I do think inevitably he's going to be a DH. And if not, he's going to remain at first base. We're probably going to see at best Edwin and Canarcion and, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And that's fine. I think it's hilarious you made that comp because uh, this whole thing I've been thinking actually funny enough with the um, the core that the Blue Jays have been developing, Lamar and Boba Shot. Yep. Is it really the worst case scenario that Vlad ends up being Joe Carter? Yeah. Get, get you a hundred home run or a hundred RBIs this season and thirty homers. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd he like. could be better than <laughs> Joe Carter in terms of his offensive production. I agree with that, too, because I think the batting average part will play into it eventually. Yeah. I really do not see his – yes, he's been swinging at more bad balls this year, but I don't know how much of that's because of this weird season to begin with. That's the other thing I can't gauge off of. This is just a fucked-up baseball season. (laughs) There's no other way of saying it. Um, So, But, yeah, what's the worst-case scenario? And then we have Biggio on top of that. You're talking about having the makings of Whamco here without even factoring in the fact that we have Teoscar Hernandez until 2023 and all this other guys, nine billion years of control guys. And Lourdes. <laughs> and Lourdes. Yeah. And I think his bat is, I, I really think with Lourdes, we're still just scratching the surface. Yes, I, I do too. Yeah. Because he's still swinging at a lot of bad balls, guys. Some of them, he's just happened to rake right around that left field pole and left in sailing. Happened field. yesterday. Just a <laughs> yeah. little golf swing right over the fence. Beautiful. Great. Yeah, Lourdes has gotten hot at the right time. He really has. And, you know, just to – I know we talked about this earlier, but to put a bow on Teoscar and Rowdy as well, yeah. something I've been thinking about as we've been talking about some of these guys is Teoscar, Rowdy, Randall Grichik, three guys who we came to the season are like, we need to see some more of these guys, or is this who they are for the rest of their careers? And I think what we're learning now is Randall Grichik's uh, little streak there against Baltimore uh, was just a hot streak. He's come back down to earth in a big way. Whereas Teoscar <laughs> and Rowdy, <laughs> but whereas Teoscar and Rowdy, if you check out their baseball savant page, they are in like the deep red uh, in terms of the percentile scale, and that's real breakout stuff. Like I did not believe Rowdy at first. But somebody called it out on Twitter. If you go look at his baseball savant page, everything suggests it was real. Everything suggests that Teoscar Hernandez's breakout was real as well. And Lourdes is getting there now. You're seeing it go towards the red percentile on there, too. So I agree. So there's I your Bajista and your Encarnacion right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you made something from nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, we touched on it a little bit. Let's just go right into it. Let's talk about the arrival of the King. Kurt, uh, Alejandro Kurt made his major league debut this past Saturday, uh, sort of. Well, he played for the full game on Sunday, but he was on the lineup on Saturday. In a not-so-surprising move by the front office, now it must be, um, except for that Grand Slam, which I take nothing away. We talked about it at length in the last episode. But it is surprising in the sense that he hasn't played higher than A-ball. Um 
Now, Craig, we love seeing these prospects develop, you especially, and with the chemistry with the big league clubs sooner rather than later. But do you agree with this move, calling them up this uh, this quickly to the bigs, given the inexperience? Or do you think, no, 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 this this year's way different. Throw him to the wolves. Let's see what he's got. What do you think? Yeah. This is a pure I need offense move, period. And we were yeah. getting zero, zero production offensively from our catching unit, period. When you're talking that Caleb Joseph had the best start we had as a catcher, and he only had, like, oh. what, two? <laughs> There's a handful of at-bats, guys, this year that you can say were the best catching you know, performances for our team. Collectively, they're batting, like, what, a buck 50 from yeah. the catching unit? Yeah. Roll the dice. This was It was a purely good move. And in all reality, Kirk was probably going to break out in some fashion in minor league baseball this year and probably be pressing for a job next year with the way he's been rocketing through the minor league system. And I'm not kidding. He, his hitting tool, we saw how good it was against some major league pitching this spring. So if he didn't have that offensive performance this spring, I don't think this was in conversation. I really don't. Mm. But the fact that you are just looking for some offense, you know, hail to the king, baby. Come on. Bring yeah, him right. in. <laughs> but now I have to ask you, did you guys see my terrible uh, forward to the text group the other day? William Shatner, Shatner. actually yeah. endorsed yeah. Kirk online and said, good luck. And then live long and prosper, basically. Awesome. <laughs> so Amazing. I guess we're going to have Captain Kirk's corner, I guess, when, uh, you know, he finally makes a staple in this lineup. But it really does not shock me that his hitting will one way or the other come into play for this team. And when the alternatives were a Reese McGuire that couldn't even bat above 100, and he wasn't showing the defense that made him the prospect that he has been through our system so far this year in a good shot. Um, Danny Jansen still showing that he's pretty good behind the plate, but we're hoping the bat comes back. And we we knew what we were going to get for you know picking up Caleb Joseph as yeah. an extra guy. So is it really any different than any of those guys to give give Kirk a chance when we know his bat probably will play? He looked pretty damn good behind the dish, too. I will give him that. I uh, have only seen him actually catch so many games, including the one, one I announced with uh, Zach Helton down in Bluefield, where I saw him hit a line drive into the wilderness. Mm. Well, it probably hit some guy that was you know, brewing moonshine in the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I credit Zach Helton with that joke. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it, how can you go wrong? There's really no way to do it. No, I agree 100%. It is. It, it, you summed it up perfectly, Craig. It is. I need offense from my catcher spot, and especially now that Rowdy and Tioscar are out. And look, again, I said earlier, obliques are very, very tricky to come back for, especially for somebody who has a lot of power in their game. But what once was looking like an embarrassment of riches behind the plate with Jansen, Reese McGuire, Gabe Moreno, Alejandro Kirk, if Jansen does not figure the bat out next season. I'll give him a pass this year. Again, it's a really weird season. If Reese McGuire does not figure out the bat, at that point, it's like, well, we're kind of all of our hopes of the catching that was once very bright. It's starting to dry up a little bit very, very quickly. Uh, so they do need some offense from that position. Oh, oh. oh no. Well, he got out. <laughs> he got out. Right when it mattered. Oh. They do need offense from that position. There he is. He's back. Yeah. Yeah. They do need offense from that position. I'll recycle what you said. They need they need offense from that position, and there's no there's no risk, and this is the best place for him to develop with no minor league season. 
Yeah, you know, I, I was talking again to my friend Connor about this, and I said I, I love the move. I love that this is so counter to what the Blue Jays front office has been doing with their prospects. It seems like this year, now that we're in playoff contention, they're really putting their money where their mouth is and saying, fuck it, let's just go. Let's just bring these guys in. Let's try to win, right? Let's not worry about service time. Let's not worry about control. Let's try to win and get give us the best chance to win. Um, having said that, Okay. Do I think that he's going to be a significant improvement to this offense this soon? I have my doubts. I it, Could he break out quick? Maybe. But given the fact that he skipped two steps and went from A-ball all the way to here, I'm going to be a little apprehensive when it comes to my expectations. I do think next year he still starts off in the minor leagues. <laughs> I do. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, one reason I think that this is a clutch move, period, regardless if he doesn't have that breakout moment. I, sure, I'm not yeah. expecting that as much as I do love watching him play the game of baseball, and I have enjoyed it for years now. Um, his bat-to-ball skills are major league ready. Okay. I am not shocked by that, and I will say that flat out all over. Whether he's going to make that to be power is still the question in his game, but I do not. I could see him being that guy in a clutch situation where you need a single and him figuring out how to get it. Yeah. I see that being a clutch moment for Alejandro Kirk. I'm not saying he's going to come in and hit you a three run walk off winning home run, (laughs) but I just, I love the fact that he will put the ball in play. He's very old school like that. And he doesn't like the strikeout. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that he's going to be a net zero here, but I do think that, you know, when it comes to the expectations, just to be kept a little short, I would like for him to go back to the minors next year, say, look, we needed you for this postseason run for a little bit of offense as we both, you know, both just discovered, um, I'd rather discuss, not discovered, um, and, you know, try to make that push in next year, because I think Reese is gone. I think he's gone. Yeah. I, I don't think he's he's even on this squad next year, honestly. Um, and with Jansen, you do... Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we've talked about how this front office doesn't like mishaps, and that was a pretty major mishap, if you know what I mean. Um, but when it comes to a veteran catcher, I think, you know, Caleb Joseph, sure. I'm talking a more established one, I think would benefit this team tenfold. And I think if they go out and grab one in free agency, you could see the Jays really start to propel in terms of their development and their their placement in the AL East really just with that one tweak I think could make a huge difference what do you say Brennan yeah no I agree I agree 100% and what was looking like a lineup at one point that was pretty solidified one through nine you know there are I wouldn't say major holes but towards the bottom half of the lineup it it gets to be a little bit of a black hole uh at catcher uh up the middle of the infield especially with Jonathan VR not doing what he was brought in to do necessarily there have been some good signs uh, over the weekend uh, from box scores. I'll be honest, I didn't see a single pitch of the Mets series. I just mm. kept up to date on box score. But uh, yeah, no, I, I agree tenfold. I do think that a backup catcher who's a veteran would benefit this team a lot because, yeah, Reese might be gone or at least down in AAA. Alejandro Kirk with a cup of coffee in the big leagues will probably go down to AA. Maybe you can advance him to AA uh, to open up next season. And you still have to give Danny Jansen a second full season, not just yes. 60 games to figure it out. So Jansen, for sure, in 2021 will be the bulk guy. But if you sign a veteran behind the plate, who you know will be good with the glove, but maybe a little bit more offensively, too, than a Caleb Joseph, then I think you're sitting pretty. I agree. Russell, Russell Martin's not a Dodger after this season. 
Yeah, he'll be a manager somewhere, though. <laughs> Let's, be <honest. laughs> Let's be honest. But And uh, I think the other catch on that whole thing is, too, guys, we're going to have a young rotation next year, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really would make sense to have a veteran guy, at least to start the season. Maybe Kirk ends up in AAA and looks hot, you know, and then you bring him up, you know, things like that. But all things aside, I'm happy he's in this lineup as we go forward here because I really think as far as upside goes – he his is way better than what we're going to get from Reese McGuire. I think at the bat, oh, yeah. we finally, I think, finally saw what Reese McGuire's bat really looks like. I know it wasn't the craziest of all major league shots or anything, but they gave him a better shot than they gave Anthony Alford and a couple other people in recent history. So if they don't, I, to me, I just think that they figured out what they got from Anthony from uh, Reese McGuire, and they're ready to move on. And maybe this is the let's. You know, put it in the frying pan and see if it simmers, right? Well, hey, speaking of this rotation, uh, before we get to next year, we need to talk about the happenings this year. And uh, I'm glad someone on the rotation said something because we had to discuss this before, and this is an issue that I'm glad is becoming at the forefront. So I want to touch on this post-game comment that Tanner Roark made. Uh, on Wednesday night against the Yankees, Roark got pulled after pitching just four innings in a 2-2 game, tossing only 68 pitches. He was cruising. Um, The thinking here is that the analytics suggest that Roark's numbers the third time through the batting order haven't been favorable, hence the pull. Um, He wasn't too thrilled, to say the least, and so much so that this was the direct quote. He said, just because the computers are saying something different, I hate it. I am old school. They signed me here for a reason, not to go three or four innings and throw a certain amount of pitches. I throw a lot of pitches. I try to go as deep as I can. I don't know. It's baseball. It started last year, and now it's starting again this year, keeping that trend going. I disagree with it. So, Brendan, we've talked about this before. It hasn't been a secret that those within the rotation have been getting pulled around the six-inning mark. Uh, Ryu <laughs> is consistently going under 100 pitches. Um, does Roark have a point? We've talked about this. I said, I'd like to see my ace go seven at least and yet to be seen. Um, where do you lean on this? Do you agree with Roark? He has a point or do you side with analytics? Cause like it or not, this is where the, the, the game is trending and, uh, Hey, we're winning games. So where do you stand on this? Yeah. I, Ryu should be the, as of right now, the only one in the rotation that doesn't have a hard cap of certain amount of pitches, depending on how many he's thrown. It also really depends on how many are thrown in high leverage because that's more stress on your arm. But there's been two or three hundred Ryu starts that we can probably recall where he's just cruised and had no problems and still has not gone past 100 pitches. Mm -hmm. I would like to be careful with Hunjin Ryu given his injury history, uh, especially in a shortened 60-game season. I want him to start three, even 30 in 2021 uh, and every year that they have him under contract because he's really damn good. Uh, but going back to Tanner Roark, pitch better, man. Like, you have given up 10, 10 home runs in 35 and a third innings. And the first time through the lineup for Tanner Roark, he's given up. I had it here. Let me find it. It was not good. I think it's six of his 10 home runs have been given up the first time through uh, the order. Second time is only a little bit better with an ERA slightly under five. And he's only had four innings where he's gotten are gone the third time through. So there's no data from this year to back it up. But even if you go back and look at previous Tanner Roark seasons, like when its velocity started to dip and other stuff, it's not pretty. Um, I do feel that Chase Anderson has, other than this past Friday, but until then, uh, deserved a little bit longer of a leash. 
Yeah. Uh, that one start against Baltimore when he was out after just five innings, even though he was, I think he had eight strikeouts and he was only at like 80 something pitches and they went to Wilmer Font. I know we bitched about this quite a bit uh, yes. on that episode after we recorded it. It's like, you got to go to a better reliever than Wilmer Font in a one, one game. If you're going to pull Chase Anderson, um, yeah, Roark, I don't think Roark has much of a leg to stand on, to be honest. He's not been good. Uh, that's pretty clear in a lot of what we've discussed the last few weeks. I personally was not as down about the Roark signing as a lot of people, especially after they signed Hunjin Ryu, because Roark kind of fit in perfectly. You know, he was and has been an innings eater in the past. But the home runs have just been ridiculous. 10 in 35 in a third inning. That's not good enough. And... The contact has been hard, largely throughout the entire season. So if you don't like it, pitcher, that's all I can say to you. Computers will dictate it to go further if you pitch better. That's mm. simple. Like, they're just working on your body of work and looking into it a little bit longer. So that's what that is all about. So you're telling me a 1.72 whip is not good? <laughs> <laughs> I can't if I, if if Ryu came out and said this, I wouldn't even be talking about it. The fact that somebody that barely de- that's barely deserving to be in this rotation, if we actually didn't have a couple of injuries, he's the one saying it. I, the thing that also shocks me is that he's our second most innings that we have had out of a starting pitcher this year. That just tells me we've pitched some goddamn awful pitch innings <laughs> yeah. along with some of this stuff. But then you look at the balance on where some of these innings are coming from, and it makes the whole picture now makes more sense on why we are quote unquote one of the better pitching staffs in Major League Baseball this year. It's the collective. It's not the fact that it's one guy other than maybe Ryu. So, but he's thrown 35 innings and he's got 19 walks in 31 strikeouts. Not to mention he's hit a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I and tell me those couple outings, guys. I'm literally, I was literally felt like it was pulling teeth just to get, try getting him to throw a ball in the goddamn strike zone. Yeah, I know yeah. that some of the, I know that in collective in baseball this year, the strike zones have been really weird and restrictive, but they weren't that bad to the point that Tanner Roark couldn't throw a strike if he wanted to. I would hope, but apparently that is a problem. <laughs> so. It's just rough to watch him even think that he's the one that should be eating up more innings. That was literally the best start he's had this season. And earning anything past that, I my money would have been on that Anthony K comes in and does better, if not just as good as Roark did through that beginning of that game. K didn't have it that day and looked, unfortunately, like Roark did in his first start, where he couldn't even find the plate and was um, almost crushing people with the ball. So shit happens. But And everything the way it was... There is no – if you told me right now it came down to Tanner Roark or Anthony K and that start doing better, nine times out of ten I would have told you Anthony K was going to do better in that, in that game, period. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I can see that. Look, my reaction to this is twofold. First, I'm saying, bro, who the fuck are you? Really? <laughs> like, come on. Like, you're not part of this team's long-term plans. And moreover, if they're, if even when we make it to the playoffs, say if it's a three-game series, you're not, you're not starting in any of them. You're not. Right, you may be out of the bullpen for some leverage if we go into extras or whatnot, and we absolutely need you because we know you could pitch two innings decently. You're not, you're not integral to this team's success. I'm not saying you didn't contribute, but let's be real here. You're not part of the long-term plans. You're not the reason why the Jays are winning games. Pitch better. On the flip side, if I'm Roark, I'm saying give me an opportunity to pitch better, and I'll pitch better. Give me an opportunity the third time through, and I'll show you I can get them out. He's not getting the opportunity. 
right? So it, it's a it's a double edged spear here. What what are we doing? Are, are we letting him prove his worth? Because sixty eight pitches, man, really like that's not a lot of pitches. It's really not. And, and you know when if you're Ryu. Yeah, you know, and maybe he can go five or six, but this is the way the Blue Jays have operated. And the thing is, is that if it's being said to the media, you got to believe that before that it was being said to Montoyo. I don't know if players are that much of assholes to go to work for themselves and uh, air their dirty laundry into the media before bringing up these concerns to those that matter. I like to believe that he did. I like to believe that Rourke had these conversations and expressed these frustrations with, um, with, with Montoyo before. I mean, we've, we've seen it before. We, it's, this is not the first time someone's been upset, you know, getting pulled. We've seen it. So is this something that maybe Montoyo has to sort of shift the philosophy on, especially in the postseason? Or do you think this is coming from the top down to Montoyo and saying, no, this is how we're operating? Yeah, I think it's top down. I really yeah. do. I um, And if that is the case, which I strongly believe it is, to not hurt yourselves in the future in free agency. Look, they obviously told Tanner Roark, you're going to have a role. You're going to have a somewhat important role in trying to eat up innings because we had no innings last year from our rotation. That has to be communicated to Tanner Roark before he puts pen to paper uh, or else you're going to get more blow-ups like that in the future if the computers are truly dictating how far you're going to go. But again, it goes back to what I said. Yet, probably in his last game, he may have deserved an opportunity to go a little bit further after just 68 pitches. I don't think he was overly good uh, in those 68 pitches that he had. But, like maybe put him out there for a batter and have somebody ready so that the inning doesn't get away from you. Like don't start getting a guy up like two batters in and it just gets out of hand. So again, yeah, we know how that argument's been going so far this season too. He would yeah. have been left out there just as long as Anthony K did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just interesting to see where you even having this conversation. Cause I think in a 162 game season, Roark is being used a completely different way as well. Yeah. For sure. But like like I said, Walker, last time he got pulled early, he was pissed. Yeah. And this is someone that is going to be integral to the postseason. He's our number two starter. No bones about it. Right. And so it come the postseason, do you let him ride? Like if Ryu's feeling it like yesterday, I know he gave up two runs, but if yet, oh, actually he gave up a run. But if he's feeling it, are you going to let him go seven, eight? I kind of yeah. want to, you know, and especially playoffs. in the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. I don't know, but I look, I, it's just funny that it came from Tanner Roark and I'm just, my instant reaction was who the fuck are you, bro? Come on. But honestly, it sort of made more sense coming from Taiwan Walker. He yeah, just stepped yeah. in here. He didn't sign up for any of this. Yes. And yeah. um, it yes. would have made more sense coming from him than a guy that's more than likely, regardless of the fact that he is signed for another season. It still shocks me to the fact that unless something really bonkers happens, guys, I would be shocked to even see Roark back. Other than yeah. the fact that he's cheap, because I don't think he'll uh, make it out of spring training without an injury to somebody. Probably doesn't want to come back. Yeah, there's that. Hey, too. he can go away to free up a spot in the rotation. I'm fine yeah. with that. <laughs> Pearson needs a spot. All right, so hey, let's <laughs> let's let's uh, let's go to the bottom stretch of this. Look, we talked about it in the beginning of the show. Let's sandwich it. Uh, Jays are sniffing postseason. This upcoming series against the Yankees is critical. Now, like I said, they're on the road. They're heading to Yankee Stadium. Series could dictate their pro their postseason position or even the admission of it. Uh, is this a must win series, Craig? 
I don't think they got to keep treating it like they've been doing everything right now. Everything's a postseason playoff right now. I really think that they need to be playing with that mentality because it's only going to help them, period, down the line. I know it's stressful to be playing that many quote-unquote high-leverage games, Mm. but if they don't go into the series thinking that this is a playoff game against the Yankees, it will spell bad things for this team down the line. They need to take this series, take two out of three, and run right through the rest of it. Because don't forget, guys, we get the Orioles the last week of the season. It would be nice to take that series almost off <laughs> by just yeah. bl- bl- blitzing the uh, Yankees right now. Mm. Use those as tune-ups for the playoffs and run into it and play somebody a little bit more moderate instead of having to worry about playing the goddamn Rays. Right. Uh, sorry, guys. Yeah. I don't care what it is. That right there spells playoff disaster for me if the Blue Jays don't get a little yeah. playoff momentum before they play the Rays first. And the other catch on that is maybe somebody will beat the Rays and I don't have to fucking go to the trot. (laughs) (laughs) That's my true goal. But right now they need second place. I don't, I I cannot say it enough that if they win second place in the division, they could actually make something of this with the way that some of these other teams in baseball are getting beaten up just as much as the blue Jays lately. Mm. Yeah. I got to go just based on the pitching matchups. Look, Davey Garcia was really, really good uh, last week. Was it Wednesday uh, before the series ended? Uh, they get him tomorrow night uh, against Taiwan Walker, and I'm expecting Taiwan Walker to be much better this time around uh, than he was in his last start. You win that one, and you can set yourself up to squeak out another one because you got Garrett Cole and Masahiro Tanaka. And what do you know? The guy we were just talking about, Tanner Roark, is going in this series at Yankee Stadium. That's scary. That honestly is terrifying. Like... <laughs> Could, like I, I know he's probably gonna he's probably gonna start anyways, but it did surprise me that they did not try to start Hunjin Ryu on Saturday uh, because you had the off day on Thursday to play with to line him up for the third game of this series because they should win two to three. But based on the pitching matchups and the fact that you still get him back in Buffalo for four games next week, I'll be happy with one, two, and I'm riding high. It just means that if you win one out of three, you have to take three out of four from the Phillies to set yourself up nicely going into that last week. Because I, I, I'd be fine with a split in a four-game series against the Yankees next week, but it all really... Dic- this second last week will really determine if they're going into that four-game series playing for second place next week. Because uh, if they get swept, then we're uh, potentially flirting with danger uh, in finishing seventh or eighth. Uh, and again, I still don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, the Mariners... The Tigers, the Tigers actually have a pretty easy schedule to finish, but but the Orioles and the Mariners still have a few tough opponents to come. So it really is this week all for playoff positioning. So take one, go from there, uh, see how you do against the Phillies, and then you know two or three in that four game series, and you should lock up second place. I agree. I, I only anticipate them taking one against the Yankees, and that's okay. Uh, don't you know get panicked. Here, Blue Jays fans, I think, won against the Yankees. Given the way that they sort of, I don't want to say woke up, but they've been playing better, I would say, right, than than what we've seen previously. It seems like they're trying to turn a corner at least, even though they're not playing very Yankees-like. Um, I still think one is uh, it's pretty good. I mean, they just won, I'm looking at it right now, five in a row. So, good for yeah. them. But, um, the Orioles. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but there was a time where the Orioles were okay. So, <laughs> the Orioles you know, pitching is in a clear downswing. Yes, yeah. Took advantage of that 
and come on, Gary Sanchez even hit this series. So, and I okay, what he's been having this uh, season, I just I'd be shocked to see that he's actually hitting the to come back to that point. Yeah. But guys, we're going to be playing the Phillies after that, who are four and six yeah. in their last ten games, yep. and they haven't been looking good at all. I'm curious to see how they're going to play against the Mets, who just left Toronto, because I think that would be a accurate list or t- idea of what the heck we're getting into once we leave New York to go to Philly. Mm. Mm. Mets, we were on par with the Mets, perfect, other than one game. And for that game, for the most of it, we were still in it too until you know the hamster fell off the wheel and died, like and was buried <laughs> six feet under. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, I, I, there's nobody hitting for the Phillies right now. Their pitching has been suspect. And the Mets are going to face the bulk of their rotation with Nola and um, I'm blanking. Wheeler? <laughs> I think so. And then they also face Jake Arrieta. Uh, yes. So that means we're going to get the B team coming okay. off of that, at least the most of that. So we're going to catch their rotation at the right spot as well. We'll get Vincent Velasquez and um, I forget their fifth starter. Eflin. Zach Eflin. I think. Who's been nothing but up and down. <laughs> So hopefully we catch him on a down, but it's going to be, I think worst case, like you said, Adam, we do lose this series against the Yankees, but I think we have a chance to be right in it. I, am I expecting Debbie Garcia to have that ridiculous of an outing two outings in a row as a rookie? I'd be shocked to see that happen again. Not to mention, I would hope the blue Jays got a pretty damn good look at him last time to have a better plan because they are notoriously bad at facing rookie pitchers. We've seen it for fucking decades, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> so the the threat in that rotation is going against Cole and Tanaka during this yeah. next turn. Well, uh, look, th- those four games against Philly, at least one of them is a quote-unquote home game, right? So they'll, they'll have the last out of the first of the doubleheader. Doubleheaders to the Blue Jays this season haven't been favorable. They usually split them. So if that's the one game they're going to cough up and they take the next two out of that, fine. Um, I do think three out of four is critical against the Phillies. Then they have four against the Yankees. I'll take a split, and then I want them to fucking sweep the Orioles. I don't care. Um, And and plus those last seven games are at home. So let's take advantage of that. Um, All right. Yeah. Having said that, it's time for picks to click. All right, so I got last last week's. I'm sure you do, Craig. Uh, Craig, you picked Rowdy, which uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know if I should be taking a pick this week. I really don't. <laughs> it seems uh, like a yeah, idea. can you leave it alone so that they can perform? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna pick Ace. I oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I picked Jonathan Davis and Brendan. You picked uh, VR. Um, I don't know. I think I mean VR has come come through in the clutch uh, defensively. At least he made a nice diving catch at short yesterday. Um, Davis was the only reason we actually won a damn game this week. Yeah, he had a home run. It was, uh, I think it was his first at bat, right? He had a yeah. home run? Yeah. First at bat, two run blast. And that was what actually was the only scoring we had throughout the whole game. I think that's enough weight to win it. I'll yeah, be- I think I'm going to take this one. <laughs> <laughs> take Either way, away. we knew I wasn't in. Craig, yeah. <laughs> so. just don't pick anybody good. Like, yeah. Pick Wilma Fawn or something. Yeah. What if I pick Buck Martinez and he blows out a hammy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dan Schulman got it. <laughs> wait, wait, but then that would mean Pat Tabler comes in on emergency duty, and I'm not sure that's any better. <laughs> pick Fisher. Just pick Fisher. No, they'll bring Greg Zahn out of retirement with how weird this season is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, yeah, Listen, that's PR. Pick, 
Pick pick Fisher Fisher because one of two things could happen: either he gets hurt, which non-factor, or he lights up, which great. <laughs> I'm just gonna do that because worst case scenario, he gets hurt and Jonathan Davis gets to stay on the team. There you go. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go, Derek Fisher. <laughs> Who do you got? Bro? Are you locking that in, Craig? Derek Fisher. <laughs> Jacked it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the pitching side of things because that's where I've made a lot of my points. Uh, so far this year, um, it's tough because I don't want to take Ryu. I always feel like that's cheating. Um, you know what? I took him the first time around and I am bouncing on a bounce back. I'm going to go back to Taiwan Walker for this week. I really do think that he will pitch way better tomorrow and he will or should be getting a start in that Philly series, which we just hyped up as being very critical. Uh, so if you win both of those Taiwan Walker starts, uh, you're looking pretty good, so I'll I'll lock in Taiwan Walker. Guys, guys, missed opportunities. I'm going with the King, King I Kurt. King Let's Kurt. go. <laughs> I really think he's gonna get some good starts or uh, over the next couple weeks here. I really do, just because of the fact that they're still gonna want to spell Jansen like normal, and he's the only other catcher on the roster. I do think he's gonna end up pairing with the veteran guys, mm-hmm. and uh, Roark and who did he catch for the other night? Uh, it was Saturday. It was yeah, Saturday night. Who started that game? If uh, Ryu started Sunday, who started oh, Saturday? Oh, Robbie Ray. Oh, Ray. Robbie Ray. Was, Robbie yes, Ray. he pitched well too. I saw. Yeah. There was a lot of grunting. There was a bunch of people <laughs> on Twitter saying that Kirk Kirk fixed Robbie Ray. There you go, <laughs> dude. He's flexible. All right, the way he's, he's able to move for a big fella, he's flexible. He is a good catcher. I don't yeah. care what anybody says, and um. Other than that one wild pitch at the end of the game there. Yes. Yeah, with the umpire. That was so not his fault. I will say it might be a shared responsibility at the most. But, yeah, the umpire was in the way for him to be able to come back and grab the ball. But the the ball was buried 10 feet in the ground. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Jansen or McGuire or even Caleb Joseph come up with that ball cleanly anyways. Maybe it doesn't squirt around as far. But I think it could have been the same result with a run. Or a runner moving up third base, regardless. So yeah, yeah. But they it'll got be a, what Kirk gets. Yeah. Well, uh, look, that's gonna do it for tonight. Uh, a couple things I want to get out of the way before we close up. First of all, if you liked what you've heard, please subscribe to the show on wherever you get your podcast fix from, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, wherever you get them, we're there. Subscribe to the show. More importantly, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars and a quick review. We'd really appreciate it. Also, you can find us on Twitter. We do the live stream for the video every single podcast. If you want to catch us live and get your thoughts in, we'd appreciate it. We're at Birdwatching GC. You can catch us there and interact with us talk to us ask us questions tell me how much i suck and how awesome these guys are because that's the truth um, you can even get in on the logo contest yeah yeah Still have a front runner but that does not mean that anybody is uh ran away with it yet yes yes so. we need uh more submissions so if you want to design our podcast art for the uh the show we'd appreciate it submit your your artwork you have until the end of the season to do so and the winner will uh give full credits in every show um in terms of the linear notes and we'll also uh maybe have you on as an appearance and we'll talk to you and we'll talk blue jays with you uh especially during the postseason i think we have some fun stuff uh, planned for the postseason i don't want to really get into it yet we'll solidify that but keep your eyes open keep your ears, ears peeled and uh guys look it's been fun great show um let's finish it off like we always do with the let's go blue jays 
Let's go Blue Jays! Blue Jays! <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.